0: From NPR Music, this is Alt-Latino, I'm Felix Contreras. You know, we're taking a break from making new shows for a while while we regroup for the upcoming year, but that doesn't mean that we'll leave you without something cool to listen to. In fact, what we'll be doing is taking a deep dive into over 10 years of Alt-Latino archive material to pull out some of our favorite coverage throughout the years. You know, here at Out Latino, we're very proud of the fact that we have interviewed a number of incredibly important Afro-Latinx artists about their careers and their legacies. And in honor of Black History Month, we've decided to take a look back at two interviews with iconic artists to celebrate their contributions to the music industry and to Latino culture in general. This week, we hear from Puerto Rican rapper dego Calderon. You know, my former Alt Latino co-host, Jasmine Garst, visited with him from his studio in Santurce, Puerto Rico, and it originally aired back in 2013. And also, we're going to hear this week a 2018 interview with Dominican singer Amara La Negra that I did at a very unusual location at the South by Southwest Festival that year. Okay, up first, we take a listen to our 2013 interview with Puerto Rican rapper Tego Calderon about his musical journey and his favorite songs. Even back in 2013, Tego Calderon was recognized as an OG, a reggaeton pioneer, and Jasmine was very eager to spend some time with him to help us understand the man behind the innovation. And for those of you that don't remember, you're gonna hear the voice of Jasmine Garst, who hosted the show from the beginning until she left in 2017.
1: Felix, do you remember a very lonely, sad week in March in which I was I was away in Puerto Rico?
0: Lonely and sad?
1: <laughs> well, I was in Puerto Rico back in March, and I stopped by Tego Calderon's studio in Santurce. He has been on Alt Latino in the past, talking about his own work and his story. But back then, he talked to us a little bit about his interest in celebrating Afro-Puerto Rican culture. So when I was back on the island, I decided to just swing by and talk to him and tape an entire show about this topic. He started off talking about a place in Puerto Rico called Loisa and about the role that Loisa has in black history on the island. He also talked about... His, the influence his family had on making him so conscious of, of his
2: roots. My family uh, always taught me the importance of Loiza, the town next to, to where I'm from that is full of, of tradition and, and culture. And my father always told me that it, di- it didn't matter that I was from, from Rio Grande not from Loiza, but it was my pup's who always told me the, the importance of, of Loisa and uh, and the Afro music, Bomba in this case?
1: For people who don't know, uh, what is Bomba and what is one Bomba song everyone should start off listening to? Uh,
2: Bomba is uh, um, African beat. When I w- was in, in Africa, in Sierra Leone, everything comes from there. You know it, but when you're there and you you experience, you see the rhythms and you see the da- how the dances and you realize that we Africans, we we really African. They 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 stole our culture, they stole our people from there and, and they brought the music over here and we think it's ours, but it's African music, basically, and um, it's played with just one drum.
1: Let's listen to Tego Calderon's Ode to Loiza. This is off of his album El Abayarde, which was one of the first reggaeton albums to make it big in the continental U.S. <laughs>
2: no bueno, todos somos iguales en términos legales y eso está probado en los...
0: Diego's story and his song talk about the historical significance of Luisa. But during the interview, I was fascinated by the fact that he spoke very, very candidly about the black Puerto Rican experience in the past and in the present.
1: And, and what he said to me is that part of the problem, a significant part of the problem, is lack of education about black history in Puerto Rico in the Puerto Rican school system.
2: Black Puerto Ricans are second-class citizens, most of the black population don't even realize it because you grow up, they, they, they don't teach you anything in school for you to be proud of, not even about the American culture, um, the black side of the American culture, the, the Martin Luther King or the Malcolm X, or people like that, that, that you could identify with. And um, they only talk about slavery here, <laughs> that we should be thankful for, for not being slave anymore. And uh, I was watching Django, that movie from, what is his name, Jamie Foxx. And in Puerto Rico, they created a lot of house niggas. <laughs> that what they created in the public
0: system. That was a very, very strong statement.
1: Part of Tego's consciousness uh, comes from his father. He says that his father really raised him to to understand his own African heritage in Puerto Rico.
2: He always taught me the importance of, of being black, and I grew up different to, to other kids, and I thought, um, I, I didn't feel um, how fortunate I was. Uh, I thought my father was a little bit crazy, because um, we didn't have Santa Claus, we didn't have a Thanksgiving. he he didn't let me get atari, and he didn't let me watch Star Wars, all that stuff, and and I grew up differently to to everybody, and when I went to Miami, I started listening to hip-hop, and uh, there was, at that time, there was Public Enemy, KRS-One, with that Afro-conscious, music, everything that my father told me made sense because these cool people were saying the same thing that my father always taught me.
1: Felix, you know what's interesting? He said that he feels in Puerto Rico, race issues are a lot more subtle, whereas in the U.S. it's, it's very in your face and, and you can't really ignore it.
2: It was a reality shock when I got to Miami and there I realized that... Who I was and what he was talking about, because here it's like under the rock. In, in, in the states, it's in your face. You you don't belong. You I don't know which one is worse. In the states, I realized that everything he told me, he helped me to 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 deal with with the situation in, in Miami. It was cultural shock to me.
1: His studio in Santurce, in Puerto Rico, was wallpapered with Ismael Rivera posters, pictures of Ismael Rivera. You would have thought that Ismael Rivera was, you know, an uncle. And (laughs) and Tego says that, in fact, Ismael Rivera felt like a family member um, and that his family really was impacted in the 60s with the lyrics and the music that Ismael Rivera did, to the point that, yeah, he feels like a part of the family. But he clarified it wasn't always a straightforward message of Black Pride, like like you would hear maybe later on with Public Enemy. A lot of times, race was approached through humor. And Tego used the song Negrito Bembón" bon as an example. And Felix, that's a song about... Basically, the story that the song tells is a policeman who arrives at the scene of the crime, a black man has been killed, the policeman is also black, and the policeman asks the murderer, why did you kill this man? And the murderer says, because he had big lips, and the policeman covers his own face and says that's not a good reason.
2: The way they approach uh, black pride uh, in salsa most of the time is like, trying to be funny about it.
1: Uh, trying to be funny how? For
2: example, there's this song called Negro Ben You grow up listening to that, and you think it's funny. But it's not. And that's the way Puerto Ricans, black Puerto Ricans, deal with the blackness, getting used to the abuse.
1: You know, I guess there's that whole theory that you make jokes about what makes you uncomfortable. You, you deal with pain by making jokes. Right.
2: It might be, it might be, but in this case, it's like you're making music for a white audience.
1: I wanted him to fast forward to the genre he's known for, which is rap and reggaeton.
0: And he summed up your conversation by drawing a very clear historical line between the oral traditions of African slaves and rap.
2: I see it because this is obviously black music, this is Jamaican dance hall, Jamaican demo, and rhyming rap been wrong for slaves been doing this
0: for years and this is what we do. So rap ain't nothing new. That was just part of the 2013 interview with Tego Calderon from the Alt Latino episode called Black, Puerto Rican and Proud. Guest DJ, Tego Calderon. It was hosted by Alt Latino former co-host Jasmine Garst. You know, back in 2013, no one had any idea of how big a worldwide phenomena reggaeton would become and how the Latin music landscape would change as a result. And just hearing Deco's words reminds us of reggaeton's roots, which is always so important, because as they say, you have to know where you came from to know where you're going. Okay, now in the second part of the show, we hear from a 2018 interview with Dominican singer Amara La Negra, where I interviewed the singer about her journey and musical influences at the South by Southwest Festival from that year. I ain't going to lie, this interview was one of a kind for a whole bunch of reasons, not the least of which is Amara La Negra's Boundless Energetic Spirit but also because it took place in the private area behind the most popular barbecue restaurant in Austin. I'll explain how that happened after we hear part of a much longer interview. Okay, so I'm going to serve myself another rib and some potato salad. hmm Okay.
3: You don't have a rib? No. Out there.
0: Okay, you're going to have a rib, too.
3: Claro, because I, I'm a good friend. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> I would never let you eat by yourself. That is not friendly. No. This is so good. Yum, yum, yum. Oh, my God. Poor moon. <laughs> poor this, moon. Oh, my God. This is awful. I can't believe this.
0: So, speaking of food,
3: mm-hmm.
0: tell us about what what your food was like when you were growing up in, in Miami, Dominican food.
3: My mom's a chef, so my mom's always been the one to cook at home. Um, a lot of mango, salami, queso a lot of Dominican food. So, not a lot of um, burgers and pizza and stuff like that, but very Latin food. So, someone helped help me because, I mean, because of the fact that it's in my DNA. I'm naturally built thick and big. Because even when I was little, I had chunky thighs and a little big butt. And that's just how my body's built. But definitely, I think that the food helped as well. <laughs>
0: Well that's part of that's part of the experience. Right. It's part of just about all Latino cultures in the experience. Hey, if, when, you
3: go, if you go to my house, the first thing my mom will say, Tiene hambre, you hungry. My mom is always ready to feed somebody. I guess it's part of the the culture. Yeah. You always I mean I guess that when you don't have anything else to offer much, the first thing you think of is feeding somebody. Mm. You know. This is the best thing I can do for you. Are you hungry? Here's some food.
0: Let's go back to the music for a second yes when you talk about i, I consider those two like the north and the south pole mm-hmm. tina turner and sedia cruz in terms of expression but if you draw a line between them it's like the it's the connection between the afro caribbean experience and then the african-american experience mm-hmm. and like it closes a circle those two singers
3: Them to be different, but at the same time, I find them to be similar in many ways. For example, the one thing that they definitely had in common: they were two strong, powerful women.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: They were strong. They knew what they wanted. They knew where they were going, and um, and then that's just how I see it. Like Tina Turner was a strong woman, even though she had her own personal problems because nobody's perfect. So did Selena Cruz. <clears throat> so. That's what I definitely do admire, and them, them on stage, no matter if one danced more than the other, whatever the case may have been, they just had that it factor. They knew how to entertain, they knew how to give the best out of them, and they were beautiful people on and off camera.
0: Did you have a chance to see either one of them perform live?
3: I had the honor to perform in three occasions for Cruz. Oh my gosh. I was a backup dancer. So I had the honors of sharing stage with her and rehearsing with her. So I definitely know the feeling of that. And um, what Tina Turner know. I've always wanted to meet her, but I haven't had the honor yet.
0: Well, there may be time. There's still time.
3: I mean, I mean, I hope that they come soon.
0: Now let's go through, I guess, like your teenage years or your early 20s. Like, which are probably still in your. Like You're still 30? in your early twenties. I'm
3: still in my twenties, but that made me feel so old right now. I'm no, 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 okay.
0: <laughs> Foot in the mouth. That
3: thousand years ago. No, no, it's okay. I'm not ashamed of my age
0: at all. The, so the teenage years. Then you know, like, what were what were you listening to? What was uh, what were you dancing to? What were your friends listening to?
3: I never really grew up with a lot of friends like that. I was very like a loner, and I was always very focused in my music and my career. So, what did I listen to? Um, I don't really know because I think that I was stuck in that, in that in that stage where you're you don't know if you're um, very, more Latina than you are American because I was going obviously born and raised in Miami. My friends are American, my surrounding, my my what I'm studying in school, my teachers, but at home it was very Spanish, very Latin. So I was kind of stuck in between listening a little bit of salsa, a little bit of merengue, but still trying to identify myself with a little bit of um, R and B you know, kind of like Usher and stuff like that back in those days and listening to uh, B2K, listening to Cisco, listening to all these, you know, American artists. I was kind of stuck in between back when the Spice Girls were hot and Britney Spears, and I was kind of still trying to find myself. So I listened to a little bit of everything. I think that's the beautiful thing about music, that music is universal, you know? It really doesn't have, even if you don't understand it, there's a vibe, there's a way. All you have to know is it... All you have to know is that it feels good. My God. God.
0: What happened? What is that? that? They just
3: just brought bread. (laughs) But I got
0: high for you in a second, too.
3: (laughs) As if I don't feel guilty enough, (laughs) he brought some bread and some white bread. Not even wheat bread.
0: Life is kind of good right now at the moment.
3: Um, And I promised that I wasn't going to eat any meat, and look at me now. I
0: will take full responsibility for that.
3: I know, and it's so good. Thank
0: you. Now let's move forward. Let's talk about now the TV show. Love and Hip Hop in Miami. On VH1, by the way.
3: Well, Love and Hip Hop Miami was an amazing experience. I loved it so much. I got to meet amazing people. And I got to meet not so many nice people as well. Um, my single, Insecure, drops today, which I'm really excited about. And today is also the, the um, last episode, the second part of the reunion of Love and Hip Hop Miami. So eventually we will start recording again the season two the show was really good you know i i'm i'm grateful to know that i i have a new fan base i was able to promote my music who i am as a person showcase my my mom as well because my mom is on the show and um just put a little bit of myself out there like i didn't want to put any limits to it i wanted to be as real as possible and i and i wanted to show like for example i showed that my mom's an immigrant you know because i know all the struggles that a lot of immigrants go in the united states i showed that my mom works in the kitchen like, I don't I really don't live this luxurious fake life that people want to see. I'm a struggling artist with big dreams. I've worked my whole life um, and it's and you know I feel like God's timing is perfect. Things are happening for me and it is right time. Sometimes I I felt like giving up because I started when I was 4 years old in Solo Gigante. I was there 6 years every Saturday. Wow. I've worked as a radio host, I've worked as a TV host. I've done a little bit of everything. But God's timing is perfect, and I'm so determined that I refuse to give up till I make it. So,
0: How would you describe the difference between making a record and making a TV show?
3: Um, that's a tough one. Well, music is based off a of feeling. It's, it's very based off your, your way, your feeling, how you feel, in your spirit, and, and your ambiance. Whatever way life is going for you, you can put that out through your music, whatever feeling you may have. TV is more real. It's more about what's happening at the moment. It's more about impulse. Which sometimes is not good, but it it can help you learn to determine how far you're really willing to go. Because, for example, outside of camera, I would never be the type of person to be physically confrontational. That's not the type of person I am. I'm slick with my mouth, yes. Mm -hmm. I would be like, beep this and beep that and beep all day long. But... Would I actually be physical and do something? I wouldn't, that's just not my style. However, people do also need to understand that we took about two years between negotiation and actually filming the show and they're just getting to see it now. This already been happening. So it takes months of building this, this um, tension between one person and the other that by the end of the season, that's why a lot of people flip out and act a certain type of way. We record for hours, for days, and you only get to see one or two minutes of everything that happened. You don't know what this person did to me at 8 o'clock in the morning that by 10 o'clock at night, I just want to, that's it. I'm, I just want to flip the table and punch you. Right. So that's really what happens. A lot of people don't get to see the behind the scenes. But for the most part, everything that happened on my on my um, my, my part of the show was very real. Nothing was scripted, um, which a lot of people feel that these reality shows are scripted. Mm-hmm. I can only speak for my scenes, and I'll tell you that they weren't. Yeah.
0: Okay, so since your song is dropping today, uh, let's let's play that song. We can uh, premiere it here on Alt Latino yes. too, as oh well, right? So the name of the song.
3: Insecure by Amaral Negra. Check it out. Then we'll play the music. Ah, oh, oh. You say I'm loca, crazy. You said I've been tripping lately. I wanna know, baby, does that make me insecure? Me amor? cell phone tighter than me, you think that I can see what's happening, you want me like ABC, why you creep like DLC, I'll give you two, one, two, three, till I open it, you say I'm not kind of crazy, you said I've been tripping lately.
0: Again, welcome back to Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras, and so we're sitting out back behind uh, Franklin's Barbecue in East Austin uh, with Amara La Negra, yes. talking about life, talking about music. Let's talk about um, something that has been out on in, out in social media recently and, and, and on YouTube and stuff like that. You're, you're people who question the, I, the, the possibility of being both black and Latina. Or black and Latino. Okay, I mean, you just rolled your eyes. Like, what? What is that? What? What's up with that?
3: I just think that people need to learn how to be more open-minded. Like, people need to be open to being educated, to learning about stuff. You have to just be open-minded. It's not just what you see in your town. It's not just what you see on social media. It's not just what you see on TV. There, there are people. There are cultures that we still don't know. They are in the forest. They are in another part of the planet. Like I feel that people feel as if, as if it's not a mainstream, it doesn't exist. So if we don't see enough Afro-Latinos, that's a lie. That, they don't exist. No, it's not. It just so happens to be that you haven't had the opportunity to get to know them. Just like I say that it happens all the time in the Latino community. Um, the way that the United States is, is set up, they put, if you're black, you're African-American, and they all go in one pot. If you're Asian, they all go in one pot. If you're Caucasian, you're all white. You all go in one pot. If you're Latino, you're all in one pot. But in that pot of Latinos, there's people from Honduras, Guatemala, Chile, República Dominicana, Cuba, Paraguay, Argentina. There's just so many different cultures, music, food. We we are so different in so many aspects, even though they were all brothers and sisters, that I just feel there needs to be more of that exposure so that people feel more educated on it. I am, I am so honored to know that people somewhat now see, see me as a role model or as a leader. Um, I have become the voice of the Afro-Latino community which has been put in the shadows for so long. However, it comes with a big responsibility, and it comes, and, and, and it's, it comes with a big responsibility. Because at the end of the day, with the good comes the bad, and just like I have people that admire me, I get nigger notes all the time. You know, I get all types of insults only because I'm trying my best to um, put out there the fact that there should be some type, you know, there should be equality because we're all brothers and sisters and we're all humans at the end of the day. So the fact that people judge me based off the way that I look. Based off the texture of my hair, based off all those stupidity instead of judging me based off my education, my personality, and who I am as a person, I think is awful. And the fact that nobody's really talking about it makes it worse because... We have gotten comfortable enough with the situation that now we just take it, accept it, and tolerate it. And it's not fair because at some point I want to have children as well. And I fear for my unborn children because I don't know what the future holds for them. So if we don't all come together as one to try to make that difference, then who's going to do it?
0: It's a beautiful statement.
3: But it's only but my truth. (laughs) That was intense. I got to eat. Hold on.
0: Okay, I think we could put the microphone down now and let's just finish eating, right? Next time we'll meet at a vegetarian restaurant.
3: Yeah, let's have some veggies after this.
0: That was from the 2018 Alt Latino episode called Amara La Negra on Her Roots, Miami Reality, and Barbecue. Okay, as promised, here's the backstory on the location for the interview. I was supposed to interview Amara La Negra at a radio station. But I completely spaced and went to lunch instead. And when I realized, I called her crew and said, I'm sorry, I completely forgot. They said, we're starving. We'll meet you there. So our good friend, Mincho Jacob, one of the guys behind Franklin's and a friend of the show, served us up a feast while we did the interview. In fact, I think I still have barbecue stains on my microphone from when I did that interview with Amara La Negra, another Afro-Latina musical and cultural innovator. And I want to remind you that you can take a deep, deep dive into our 10-year archive by going to npr.org slash altlatino. Also, in case you haven't heard, NPR Music's Tiny Desk Contest is now open the winner will play their very own tiny desk concert and go on tour with NPR music now to enter artists must upload a video to YouTube of themselves playing an original song at a desk to learn more read the official rules and submit entries go to npr.org/ desk contest that's npr.org/ tinydesk. Contest Now, to be eligible to win, artists must be over 18, unsigned, and a resident of one of the 50 states, Washington, D.C., the U.S. Virgin Islands. And this year, we opened it up to artists from Puerto Rico. Okay? The deadline to enter is March 14th at 11.59 Eastern Time. Again, the deadline is March 14th, 11.59 p.m., eastern time send in those videos and represent man as always thank you so much for listening please be safe and you know reach out to those you love don't wait do it now